Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. You sound very measured this morning, Julie. Well, I'm trying out this new thing. It's a, it's a bit of whispering. And I'm very interested in exploring the oral landscape. And Robert, have I mentioned to you that I'm also interested in caring for your hair? Oh, yes. Yes. I do enjoy a good haircut. It really calms me. I I thought so. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to brush your hair first. Okay. And I just want you to close your eyes. Okay, I'm closing my eyes. And enjoy the strokes of the brush through your hair. Okay. Doesn't that? Okay, this is getting so creepy. <laughs> hey guys, it's us. And we're exploring something called ASMR. Yeah, and in a way, this is an episode that pairs nicely with our, our trypophobia episode. Mm-hmm. Because in both cases, we have something that, uh, is kind of Im- Im- not really emerging from the internet age, but it's, uh, the, the internet has allowed individuals who have a certain reaction to a certain, uh, type of stimuli to allow them to come together and start talking about it and say, hey, what's, what's going on here? Why does, why does this make me feel this way? Uh, and, and why doesn't everyone else around me seem to be affected in the same way? And with trypophobia, it was about looking at clusters of holes and feeling this sense of repulsion. But with uh, ASMR, which we're talking about today, mm-hmm. it's about something far more pleasant, far more mellow, but uh, but equally perplexing. Yeah, it's called Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, and we'll talk a little bit more about what triggers it. But essentially, what it is is a pleasurable tingling that begins in the head and scalp, and then it shimmies down the spine, and and it reportedly relaxes the entire body when the person is exposed to certain auditory cues. Yeah, in some cases, uh, particularly in, in headlines, uh written by, by male editors, I think, you'll see it compared to an orgasm, like it's an orgasm in the brain, it's a braingasm or, mm-hmm. or whatever. But, I mean, generally, the descriptions you, you hear, uh, it is more of a mellow, comforting, relaxing sensation and less, uh, you know, psychedelic sexual mind explosion. Yeah, and a lot of people will step in and say, hey, hey, this really is not a sexual thing. This right. is just this... Um more than anything, this pleasurable, relaxing sense that you get when you hear these triggers. So wanted to mention that most of these things, these cues are provided by videos made by what are called ASM artists uh, on YouTube. And it has a very intimate air to them. And we'll talk more about that. And so far, ASMR isn't a medically or scientifically recognized term, though studies are now beginning to be conducted, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of anecdotal information out there and explanations abound. Yeah, it's entirely possible that by the time you get around to listening to this episode, maybe one of these studies will, will actually publish. Um, we, we know from uh, from researching it that there's a, there's a guy at Dartmouth College, uh, Bryson Lotched, who uh, did an fMRI study on ASMR, which is one of the the, uh, the types of studies that everyone's been clamoring for. Let's mm-hmm. get one of these brains inside the tube and actually see what's going on in there. Um, but as of right now, we don't have this kind of research to turn to. All right. So before we start explaining this really in earnest, let's look at some of the terms, because I think these terms will kind of tell you to what degree people are really bound up in ASMR. 
Yeah, even uh, ASMR, even uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. Uh, this is this is not a set in stone uh, bit of terminology. This itself emerges from uh, individuals on the internet coming together and talking about it. You'll see it uh, at times. It's been referred to as attention induced euphoria. Uh, you've seen it. Uh, we've seen it called attention induced head orgasm, uh, or as uh, referred to by Andrew McMurris uh, on his blog that he started back in 2010, the unnamed feeling, uh, which yeah. should give you an idea because at, at the at the time they were st- everyone was still coming together and saying what is it what what should we call it and uh, so uh, uh, around 2011 you see uh, uh, autonomous sensory meridian response really uh, coming to the forefront as the as the, the main term and pretty much cemented in place by 2012. Yeah, in fact, if you look at the uh, Google history on this, you'll see in 2011 it starts to make a bit of a footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, but 2013, 2014, it rockets as yeah. a search term, which I think gives you an idea of the the kind of um, following or the kind of communities that are gathering around this, I guess you could say, phenomenon. You know, what's weird is, um, and I'll get into this more as, as we as we discuss, uh, my wife uh, has ASMR, mm-hmm. and I've known her since the first Saw movie came out, whatever mm-hmm. year that was. Was that 2005? I, n- I don't know, but I al- uh, I love that you are always like, and we got together when Saw came out. Yeah, that's that's what brought us together. Yeah, I've well, anyway, for a number of years, uh, for, we've known each other for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, ASMR was not the the predominant term until very recently, but I can't for the life of me remember what she called it or if it even had a name, uh, you know, back when I, I first met her. And so what is her trigger? Uh, her trigger is definitely uh, the, the sound of a pencil on paper. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, it's uh, if she, she's, she's sitting in a room with someone who is drawing her. Uh, with with uh, pencil and paper, and she's so she's hearing the sound of it. She's in the uh, it's it's the you know it's the sensation of of being drawn. I guess the the attention, the intimacy of that mm-hmm. uh, with the sounds, the soft sounds of the of the, the drawing. And you guys listening out there, think about that example in a moment because we're going to talk more about triggers. But mm-hmm. that really hits on a lot of the different factors that make this pleasurable for people. Um, I wanted to mention that a couple other terms um, really help to frame this. There's something called ascension, when an experiencer levels up, <laughs> and usually that means that the control of ASMR has improved or that experiences are much more intense. Again, these are people who are seeking this out and really concentrating, even meditating on some of these triggers. Uh, there's asthma or asmerian person who experiences oh, ASMR. Wow. I'm married to an Asmerian. You are now married I'm, to an Asmerian. Okay. That explains a lot. Yep. And of course, you already mentioned it, braingasm, which yeah. is that colloquial term for ASMR. So, triggers. Yes. Let's get to this. I was whispering at the beginning of this, and I was taking the pages and making this kind of noise. Um, and these are both big triggers, but probably whispering is the, I would say, like the the headliner yes. of all the triggers. Yes, indeed, a whispering voice. And oftentimes the, like, the, the subject matter is not necessarily important. Mm-hmm. But in many cases, the, uh, the, the voice will be uh, providing instruction of some kind mm-hmm. or taking the listener on sort of an imaginative journey, kind of a storyteller. You're walking through a park. You're passing a dog. That sort of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think about it as levels. And whispering is sort of like the base stock to ASMR. Mm-hmm. And Bob Ross, think about him. He's a perfect oh, yes. example of someone and someone who is quite fetishized, I would say. Although some might take issue with that 
terminology of fetishizing. But people seek him out in order to have a ASMR experience. But now think about... And I should I should jump in. If you're not familiar with who that is, he's the, the PBS joy yes. painting guy who talks about painting pretty little trees. And happy little trees. Happy little trees. That was it. And so he was that he's perfect because soft, soothing voice, yeah. albeit a male voice, and some people take issue and say that a female voice is preferable. But... Uh, but he's also instructing you, and he's taking you on a journey. Yes, yeah, so it was very meditative in nature, if you yeah. think about it that way. Now imagine if someone had long nails, and they would tap them on a hard surface or um, lovingly scrape them against plastic or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's the crinkling of a bag of chips. Um, again, the shuffling of pages turning in a book. And then the personal care aspect, the role-playing aspect that you already sort of called out here, And that's when someone looks at the camera, you're watching this video, and they're looking at you, the viewer, and role-playing with you some sort of self-care or some sort of uh, nurturing thing that they're doing. You could be pretending like you're at a spa, or it could be uh, an exam. And these, I think, are amazing uh, because it's sort of like the mother load of ASMR, these these exam videos, Uh, especially the cranial exams. Because the cranial exam, I think it's like a real thing, mm-hmm. right? Where sensory cues would be introduced to you because you're, their doctor would be looking for neurological damage. But in these role-playing videos, mm-hmm. um, they're just pretending like they're the doctor. And they have different things. Like they have a feather that they're stroking <laughs> the camera with and saying, do you feel this on your cheek? And that is the mother load because it has the whispering. It has the crinkling. It has the the pen uh, going up and down, the clicking of the pen, the keyboard, um, all those different things, and it has the nurturing aspect to it. Yeah, it's it's interesting to to uh, to look around at some of the videos out there because there's been a kind of an evolution um, of the art form because some of the earlier stuff is just yeah, let's just watch some Bob Ross or hear someone's going to talk to me or someone's mm-hmm. going to provide a a fake haircut, fake ear exam kind of situation in video form. But uh, as uh, as the uh, the art form evolves, it's all about layering things and providing multiple triggers because not everybody's going to be uh, affected by these same triggers. Mm-hmm. The, the person who uh, who prefers the whispering is not going to go for the tapping or the scratching. Um, you know, m- my wife, for instance, the, the 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 sound of just a soothing voice does not uh, affect her in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's it's just that 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 drawing on the paper or someone someone sketching her. And uh, and I do want to point out that when I ask her about it. Uh, I said, well, you know, what exactly do you feel when this happens? Mm-hmm. And she said, it's a, it's a tingling in my scalp, uh, you know, strong sense of relaxation and a strong, but, uh, but short lived feeling of just being really stoned. Um, uh, because I, I asked her, so is it like a mild high? And she said, no, it's a really intense high. It just doesn't last very long, just falls off. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction to make because I think all of us can, probably list off a bunch of different sounds that are pleasurable to oh, us. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I, I love paper being kind of uh, sorted around, but I, I don't get tingles, and I don't have a sort of flash uh, stone stoner response. Yeah, likewise. I mean, I love I love a good white noise, brown noise machine. I love uh, ambient, uh, even some drone music, you know. But uh, but it doesn't have that kind of effect on me. I mean, we we both have listened to the uh, the Headspace app, uh, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, and hearing the soothing uh, voice of uh, Andy Puticombe on mm-hmm. that. You know, very soothing voice and very can help get you into a meditative state. But I don't feel high while it's taking place. 
No, actually, I think that would be distracting because Headspace is actually a meditation app. Yeah. So it would be kind of wonderful, but perhaps distracting to the point of you're trying to calm your brain down. Yeah. Uh, not elicit um, some sort of overreaction. Yeah, you need an alternate um, Headspace app where there's just a drill sergeant, I guess. Yeah, you yeah. you definitely have to do that. Although Andy does have a really nice whispery voice. You know, another voice that came to mind, uh, and again, this is a, from a non Asmirian, but uh, Timothy Leary. I feel uh, feel like uh, his voice is always. I've always found that super soothing. And I did a search around. It looks like there's some uh, ASMR stuff that does utilize some of his spoken word album work from the '60s. And I want to mention too that it's not just whispering. A lot of these artists are. They're using space. We talked about this in music. Mm-hmm. Like if you use space in unexpected ways that your brain pays even more attention. And so you mean like the ambient sounds of a room or a physical no, space? No, I mean, or? like I'm thinking about Dr. Dimitri, who okay. does one of the um, can you describe cranial exams physically for us? Um, I will try to be <laughs> Dr. Dimitri. Now, what is your name? <laughs> so it's like, you know, he's not talking in the sort of the, the pattern that we're used to. Okay. Right. And so I think that is a part of it is because uh, and we've talked about this before. It's like it's not like music, but there are some similarities in which if your brain is grappling with those unpredicted spaces and those spaces resolve themselves like in a certain note. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that you you get relief from that hmm. or you get a sort of pleasure from that. And now a lot of Asmarians will say this is not like the musical chills. Yes, that uh, they make a, generally make a strong point of that being uh, significantly different. That is known as frisson. Is it French? Frisson. 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 Uh, the spine tingling sensation of listening to music that uh, you know a lot a lot more people uh, can can relate to. But an Asmarian will be quick to tell you no, that is separate. That is not my thing. That may be your thing. But that's not my thing. Yeah, and if you want to know more about that, check out our episode on Does Music Hijack the Brain? So we go a little bit deeper mm-hmm. into that. Now, within the Asmarian community, there are two types of Asmarians, as reported by the community. It's type A and type B. Type A is um, through just sort of meditation or thinking about the thing, right? So if you hear the auditory cue, that mm-hmm. may just be enough to trigger that sort of sensation. But type Bs need to actually experience the trigger. So, for instance, getting a haircut. That's why I was pretending to cut your hair Uh earlier, which was, again, super creepy. Um, (laughs) Or any sort of exam or close personal attention. Right. So it's the difference, again, between imagining the haircut and having the haircut. Yeah. If you're type A, you don't. all you have to do is think about the trigger. But type B, you need the trigger. Yeah, one of our producers, Paul, was telling me that his trigger is when he is on an airplane and they begin to describe all the safety precautions that passengers must take and the oxygen coming down and the the exits and all of this. And he said it's not just the voice, but it's the actual like taking care to tell you hmm. how to protect yourself. It's a kind of nurturing quality. We to see it. that nurturing theme in a lot of these. Mm-hmm. It's like... If- Sometimes it's just merely instructional, which can be a form of nurturing. Other times it's actual physical care, uh, a doctor and patient relationship or a a parent and child relationship. Uh, uh, I'm going to groom your hair. I'm going to look after your your hygiene, your well-being. 
And that is a good point for us to actually take a break, because when we get back, we're going to delve a little bit more into the ASMR artists, but also the reasons, uh, the possible explanations for why people experience this. All right, we're back. Uh, we're still discussing Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, or ASMR, the, uh, the domain of the Asmerians. I feel like they should, it sounds like they should have their own planet. They should, yeah. It, and it's probably um, indistinguishable from our, our own, is the thing. Because I was looking around at some of the videos. Uh, there's a, there's a Reddit for, um, Asmerians where people are just throwing up, you know, various videos. And they range from the, like, highly produced professional mm-hmm. ASMR video, uh, realm to stuff. Literally, uh, there's a video where someone, uh, just has an audio and video recording of, uh, chefs at Five Guys Fries. <laughs> preparing to make French fries, so they're yeah. just you know there's a little bit of yeah. ambient clanging mm-hmm. and echo and the opening of the potato bag, and that that clip I looked at the clip had uh, like ten thousand five hundred views. Well, okay, it made, made me a little sick. All right, so <laughs> let me tell you that Maria, who is known as Gentle Whispering, if you want to look at her on her YouTube channel, she has something like forty plus million views of her videos. Now, granted, she's up in the hundreds. In her videos, mm-hmm. but still, some of them will fetch up to eight hundred thousand to a million views. I think there was one that was two million views, and she is, she's really sort of the uh, the czar of ASMR, and she's a, a Russian woman who moved to the U.S. in two thousand and six, and she had a lot of, she says, a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, and she began to actually seek out videos, not realizing that the whispering stuff was actually helping her anxiety. And she found oh. herself doing it more and more and more. And I believe in 2009, she started doing this in earnest, making her own videos. Um, so obviously, people like her who have a genuine interest in the ASMR community, or even not a genuine interest, can make a small income doing this. Yeah, enough to at least put back into your your product and uh, and pump out more videos. Mm-hmm. Um it's in, it's interesting too that she's uh, she's Russian and has a Russian accent mm-hmm. because I, I saw that mentioned a lot in the materials we were looking at that uh, you know everyone has their their different uh, taste uh, as far as ASMR material but a lot of people do prefer an accent of some kind and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, you know a different mode of speech being less yeah. predictable. Uh, reminds me of uh, you know, of, uh, of Bela Lugosi as Dracula. One of the reasons Dracula resonated so much uh, in, with Bela's performance is because Bela didn't speak English at the time, so he was he was saying these words but not actually speaking them. So his his mode of his his delivery was uh, was a little unpredictable and a little little haunting. Which is interesting because the the unpredictability factor I think is present in whispering anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. the best way to get my kid's attention is to actually whisper to her. Oh yeah, because it's unusual, right? And you're like, well, you have to lean in and really pay attention. So you have that going for you, and then you have those spaces in the actual speech pattern, mm-hmm. making it a little bit even more skewed, right? And in addition to this, a lot of ASMR artists like Maria use 3D or binaural microphones, which create a stereo recording that makes the listener feel like they're in the same room as the speaker. Oh, yeah. A lot of people uh, uh, in the ASMR community say you, you do have to have the headphones. You need that uh, that surround uh, feeling uh, that you're just not going to get from your laptop speaker. 
Yeah, this is from the Atlantic article, How to Have a Brain Orgasm. There it is again. Uh, Maria is interviewed and she says of the experience, I definitely think it has something to do with proximity. When you watch ASMR videos, you're completely vulnerable. The viewer is. It's almost uncomfortable for you to be that close to another person. But if you feel how much they care about you at that moment, it just puts you in that state of euphoria. Hmm. So imagine you've got your headphones on and you have the, the 3D microphones making it feel that much more intimate. You know, I, I also did a quick chit check, and there are videos of individuals who are pretending to draw you with a pencil. Ah, yeah. so your wife would be like, hey, that's, they mean, because there's the sound and there's the kind of attention. Yeah. Right? And the sort of like, hey, I care for you. I care for you. I care for you enough to sit here and draw you. Yeah. 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 Um, so you had pointed out before, why mostly women? Yeah, that's kind of a, a lingering question about this, uh, isn't it? Uh, again, we're still waiting on studies, so yeah. we don't have anything really hardcore. But uh, but as best as we can tell, it, it comes down to that nurturing energy. Yeah, and I had mentioned Dr. Dimitriev, but he is uh, he's an anomaly among all the ASMR artists. And yeah, there's that that sort of nurturing role playing going on. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense that this kind of stereotype would play down the lines of gender. Yeah, like I almost felt weird saying it because it sounds a little sexist for me to say, oh, well, you know, nurturing energy. Of course, females are into it. But, you know. I mean, if that's the predominant stereotype, then, I mean, we see that carried out through all types of media. So it would make sense that this is something that is acceptable. Now, I was fine with Dr. Dimitriev, but my husband was like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> He's totally creeping me out. Well, what did what did your husband think about Bob Ross? Uh, you know, we didn't talk about Bob Ross, hmm. but I'm yeah. Who doesn't like Bob Ross? Some artists don't like Bob Ross. I have a friend who's an artist, and she hates him. Well, is that because of the content of his work? I think so. I think she's just kind of like blah. And I think also maybe maybe it's because her her mom is, was an art teacher or something. I'm not sure, but. She does not like the happy little trees. Yeah, she's she wants she's, dangerous trees. She's a weird duck. Uh, that one. But, uh, but yeah, for the most part, I feel like most people would like Bob Ross. What can you be offended by? Indeed. Uh, real, real quick, uh, we're talking about the nurturing power of it. And yes. all. I do want to mention as well that, uh, my wife said that when she was a little girl, um, she and, and a friend would take turns combing each other's hair and she would also experience, uh, ASMR in those situations. Huh. So, I mean, she's kind of a type A and type B, or maybe actually she would probably would be a type B just I think purely yeah. experiential. Yeah, I think so because, I mean, especially since, as far as I know, the videos don't even work that well that well on her. Like, it's yeah. just really got to be someone in the room drawing her. Yeah. And then I did it once, and and it, I think it kind of worked for. Her, but then she saw that my drawing was stupid because I can only draw like <laughs> monsters. And, just uh, like a stick figure. Yeah, it was, you know, it, I, I'm just not good at drawing actual things. All right. So what I wonder is, does she maybe have any other uh, synesthesia, you know, Ah. because that is something that has come up before that possibly ASMR is a subcategory of this phenomenon where a person experiences one sense or you could say a cognitive pathway, which results in the experience of another one. So, for instance, you might see the letter B as read or hear a word that makes you taste a certain flavor. Yeah, as far as I know, she does not uh, experience this. But indeed, you do see this possible connection between synesthesia come up a lot, uh, especially among uh, Asmerians trying to make sense of their, uh, I don't want to say condition, but their 
power. Response. Response. Yeah. yeah just their, yeah. their response. And indeed, synesthesia is a, is a great place to turn to because at least with synesthesia, we have actual science behind it. Uh, because some of the other explanations floating around out there uh, among the Asmerians uh, dip a little, perhaps a little bit too much into the pseudoscience realm mm-hmm. or into the, just the spiritual realm. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying don't turn to those things to explain something for your own personal worldview. Uh, but if you're looking for a scientific uh, explanation, then, you know, the, uh, the third eye, uh, and the pineal gland might not be as strong an answer. Yeah. The uh, uh, nor will uh, you know certain theories about it being the, the next uh, stage in the evolution of consciousness. Um, synesthesia is a little more set in stone. Yeah, you came across some of the same stuff that I did, where I was like, yeah, I don't know if you could say that this is a, a, an increased level of awareness. Right. Um, are you meditating on something? Are you engaging with it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just as you might during a, a bout of synesthesia. So, yeah, we need some rigorous studies here. We, we need a boatload of them um, because all we can do is sort of kind of scratch at these possibilities. And another possibility, which is going to be really obvious by now, is the early mother-child bonds that could be this sort of reenactment of that. Right. And this seems like a, a pretty strong theory. Uh, just, you know, again, just from especially from the outside looking in at something that does not have a lot of rigorous um, uh, study behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but it does seem to line up fairly well with that. And it's something we can all really I mean, we all there are things in our in all of our lives that we can point to and say, you know, there's there's something about this is tied up in the nurturing energy of my childhood. Yeah, and especially if you look at the ASMR artist as occupying the mother role and, mm-hmm. and the viewer as the child role. And um, Mark O'Connell, writing for Slate Magazine in the article, The Soft Bulletins, says there's something about the typical ASMR video that seems to address itself to a desire to regain some prelapsarian state of mother-child unity. And that is that that mother-child state in which you're being cared for to um, a pretty huge degree, right? Your hair is being brushed, your teeth are being brushed, you're being washed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that's just very comforting about that. Yeah. Despite how much a two-year-old fights against every one of those things sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to brush your teeth. You're going to you're gonna look back on this and, and feel this weird sense of nostalgia and comfort in the fact. Will you just open your mouth long enough for me to get in there? You know, I, I'm going to share this, and you guys judge as much as you want. I don't care. But recently I went to Jeju, which is a Korean spa. Oh, yes. Fabulous place. And they offer a full body scrub. Mm-hmm. And so the setup is this. You're in the uh, female locker room. And um, you're naked. And you should describe the, the female locker room because when when someone says, you know, you're getting some sort of a body, body rubber massage, some people mm-hmm. may think, oh, gentle candles, uh, no. s- soothing music. No, I mean, this is just like it's kind of like a, a locker room that's had a lot of money put into it. Mm-hmm. So you have marble floors. So it's kind of like a spa, but it's also like a locker room. And there's a lot of, there's a huge Korean community and Russian community and people who just don't care about being naked among one another within the same gender. Yeah. I mean, it's really comforting. I, I love going there as well because you just go in body types of all, all kinds, all sizes. You just, you feel good. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a whole other lesson in, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in body image, but what is interesting to me about this is that you go for the body scrub. There are a bunch of massage tables. There are older women in their 60s and 70s who work there in 
in their lace underwear mm-hmm. because that, you know, if you're going to, if that's your uniform, you <laughs> want it to be nice, right? So, On the men's side, it's kind of a, like a diaper speedo thing. Oh. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's basically like a grandmother scrubbing you down. That's my point. And it's so, it's such a nice experience. Because no one is going to scrub you down like that, except for like your mother when you were a child. But yeah. here is this grandmother type really getting your ears clean, <laughs> like head to toe. It's a little odd. Yeah. Now, another possible explanation here is that uh, th- th- it's all a matter of suggestibility, right? Yeah, because you mentioned fear of holes, right? Mm-hmm. This idea that if you have trypophobia, it may be because it actually came into your awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And you assumed it for yourself, this sort of internet awareness and uh, support that has sprung up around this idea of fear of holes. Yeah, because it's kind of like joining a community, right? Yeah. Who doesn't want to be a part of community that has its, you know, that not everyone can be a part of this group. We have our own terminology. Mm-hmm. We may even call ourselves something like Asmerians. I mean, it it sounds nice, and everyone can at least relate to, well, I like white noise machines. Right. Maybe I have this. And if you think about it, and if you want it long enough, then perhaps you can, you can convince yourself that you have it. Yeah, and so it's the question becomes, are people being primed for this? And, and they, in fact, don't normally have this response, but now that they're aware of it, will they then become primed to experience it for themselves? I feel like I would be more inclined to to buy into that if my wife didn't have it, you know. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm not just being like, you know, oh, I'm, I support my wife and her craziness no matter what. I'm saying that, uh, you, you know, it's like it seems too real for, on her part, and she's. And she's been talking about it for years before it was uh, blowing up on the Internet. Yeah. To your point, there's an article by Harry Cheadle writing for Vice magazine. And he says that back in 2008, a Yahoo group called the Society of Sensationalists. I think you might have mentioned that already formed with a somewhat vague manifesto. Quote, all we have right now are questions and we need answers. We need help, not in the sense that we want to solve or cure this sensation, but rather instead to learn what causes this. And. So that's, I think, to your point, it's kind of like people are experiencing this and they're reporting on it. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people would pick up from that and feel primed and then have that sensation, too. Yeah, I, I imagine it's a, a mix, you know. I mean, you're pro- you you have people who actually experience this and you probably have some outliers and, and people who think, well, maybe I have it or I just really want to have it. And they're playing into the suggestion. Mm-hmm. But uh but we won't know, and we won't know if it's just always existed and just hasn't been named, or if the internet birthed it into being. And that reminds me, I was looking around uh, at the uh, the uh, ASMR Reddit, and th- I saw people talking about well, I, about how they've developed the ability to do something like they're they're transitioning perhaps from uh, type B to type A. Mm-hmm. So that makes me wonder, like, is that how much is suggestion playing into that? And if it's possible to go from type B to type A, then is it possible to go from type nothing to type B? Or is it that in engaging in all these videos or these experiences, are you ramping up the reward pathways in your brain? Hmm. And therefore, it makes it a lot easier to seek out, not just seek out, but to experience that. And that was a question that Stephen Novella, a neurologist at Yale University, School of Medicine put out there because he tried to say, hey, let's try to figure this out. Is this actually real? And of course, this can't be answered. 
Um, but he did say that he's inclined to believe that it is, quote, it's similar to migraine headaches. We know they exist as a syndrome primarily because many different people report the same constellation of symptoms in natural history. Including, yeah, hallucinations. We yeah. ended that a bit with our leprechaun episode, if you're interested in checking that out. Yeah, so he's thinking ASMR, hey, it could be a small seizure, or mm-hmm. it could just be uh, activating the pleasure centers of the brain. And again, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to think that might be happening just because we've talked about proprioceptive drift before. This idea that it's really easy to sort of game your brain mm-hmm. to, to reconsider the boundaries of your body. And there are plenty of studies to support that. Um, and there's mirror neurons. And then, of course, suggestibility. And who doesn't need a little nurturing? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, as a non-Esmerian, I, I, I love, uh, like musical tracks that incorporate soothing spoken word into them. Uh, the books, for instance, uh, they, they have a, an album that, uh, that uses a lot of that. And it's, they're using like some new agey, uh, self-help, uh, samples in the background. And there's one track on, on that album that I just listen to over and over again, in, in large part because it's just such a nice, soothing, uplifting voice. And they're, they're talking about, like they even uh, use uh you know that that false bit of uh, science about you're only using 10% of your brain. So it's like I'm not even buying into the message at all, but just mm-hmm. I appreciate that somebody is telling me these nice things all set to some uh, really interesting music. You know, that's funny because we've talked about this before in the context of some electronic music having the criticism levied at it that it was infantilizing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, you, we were returning more to like this womb state and trying to recreate that aural state of a heartbeat or, yeah. you know, the sound of liquid rushing past us. Yeah. Why not? There's nothing wrong with that. Heck yeah. Yeah. Return to the womb. If you can, go for it. Oh, while I'm at it, since we're, we're drifting off topic and uh, here at the end of the podcast, I do want to mention as well uh, that I recently ran across an artist who all, all he does is create ambient tracks based on the uh, the ambient sound from spaceships in various science fiction properties oh, and yeah. also some other places, but mostly it's Starship. So it's like the Enterprise. It's the Nostromo from Alien, uh, and it's really interesting stuff. So uh, you can find a link to that uh, particular blog post on the landing page for this episode. I have to say that it's a fine line for me, those sort of ambient sounds. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it can be a bit too... Um, sort of removed from the human experience where it feels like existential angst. Yeah. And then sometimes it's a little bit more intimate and it feels more womb-like. But yeah. it's, eh. Well, I kind of like sometimes existential angst is nice in a track. I mean, I certainly... You're so weird. Well, <laughs> well there's, a, there's a lot of electronic music, a lot of music in general. It's not necessarily about, it's not about feeling comforting. It's about maybe, maybe connecting with, uh, with something alien and something weird and uh, isolating. You know what? That is going to be my New Year's uh, resolution for this year. Yeah? Yeah, to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah, you've inspired me. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that doesn't end in disaster. (laughs) Me too. Okay. So there you have it. ASMR in a nutshell. Uh, Again, we're still waiting for uh, some of these studies to come out and get a little more information about what's going on. And as soon as that happens, uh, hopefully we'll revisit this topic. Uh, In the time being, uh, be sure to check out StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is our mothership. That is where you will find all the blog posts, uh, all the videos, all the podcast episodes way back to the very beginning. And uh, and the landing pages for those podcasts will include art and some, some links to related materials and some outside materials as well. Be sure to check that out. 
And if you have some thoughts that you would like for our eyeballs to lovingly caress, you can send those thoughts to us at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 